After hearing a lot of people's stories about like being discriminated against for many different reasons, I decided I would want the Black Lives Matter flag being raised. We have some dug-in camps in this town that if you are not extremely careful about how this unfolds, they're going to get angrier and there may be violence. I've been physically assaulted and was repeatedly called the N-word and that I was going to get shot. Sounds Like Hate is a new podcast series from the Southern Poverty Law Center. I'm Jamila Paxima. And I'm Geraldine Moripa. This first season is about how to prevent people from becoming radicalized and how some disengage from a life of hatred. Not Okay is a two-part story. The principal and teachers at Randolph Union High School in Vermont are at the center of a battle, ripping their community apart. Whether to remove a mascot, some say has a disturbing resemblance to a hooded Ku Klux Klansman charging on a horse, and whether to fly the Black Lives Matter flag. We were granted exclusive access to document their struggle as it was happening. Some of what you hear will disturb you, but keep listening. These stories are far from simple. In Vermont, unfortunately, if you're not white, you're black. There's no Indian, there's no Puerto Rican, there's no African-American. It's all, you're just black. Amy Cruz is a parent of five boys. Her fraternal twins, Amir and Akash, are biracial. When we met them, they were in the ninth grade at Randolph Union High School. There is a part of me that does worry about them and their safety at school. Between the brothers, Amir has been the target of racial, verbal, and physical attacks. I kind of almost breathe a big sigh of relief when they get home, and I always tell them that I love them before I leave them off from school. This school looks like almost every other high school I've seen in America. Red brick, probably built in the 60s. As we arrive at the school, buses are dropping students off in the slush and snow. We've got parents dropping off kids before the bell rings. All the doors are locked at 7.55. Everybody comes and goes through one door. We have about 400 students here, grades 7 through 12. We're about 95, 96% white. Principal Elijah Hawks is concerned about a surge in hate symbols, name-calling, and threats. I noticed the flag that says dialogue. I had that flag made just to remind us about one of the... Our core responsibilities is to have conversations about matters big and small and controversial and not... If everybody's voice is not heard, we won't understand what our problems are. The students we saw in the science class were so excited. Geraldine, who wouldn't be? They were competing with racing cars they built. The teachers were trying to make learning fun. The students come from three neighboring towns, Randolph, Braintree, and Brookfield. Randolph Union High School has a graduation rate of 91%, with 62% attending college and 24% moving directly into the workforce or apprenticeships. Most students come from farming families. Some have been working the land for generations. Most other families earn a living working in healthcare, social assistance, 
and educational services. When I met Amir, we learned we both had family from the same part of the world. Mumbai, India. Mumbai? Yeah, that's exactly where my dad's from. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. How many different times have you had incidents involving racial issues and you in this school with other students? There's a lot. I don't know if I can even keep track. I don't really go to the superintendents because I've had stuff in the past of them not understanding or hearing my voice. So you got in an altercation with a student. Yes. And Amir didn't tell me until about 1030 that night. Amir's mother, Amy. That he actually was physically ill. One of the students at the school had picked a fight with Amir. I said, we can talk about this with somebody else on Monday. And he's like, there's not going to be Monday because I'm going to shoot up the school. When I finally got it out of him, I was like, oh, we need to call the police. Student in Randolph threatens to shoot up a school. A student allegedly threatened to shoot up a school in the Orange County School District. This scare closed four schools in the district for 24 hours while police investigated. It was determined that the child wouldn't have had access to any firearms that he could have brought here. The student denied he made the threat. There were no arrests. They had to shut down our school for a day. Zaibuska, a senior at the time, also recalls the frightening day. During that time, almost like every week, there was a school shooting somewhere in America. And I was like, I just knew that I couldn't be like, this wouldn't happen here because it could happen anywhere. Scary reality. 2018 was the worst year on record for student safety in the United States. The Center for Homeland Defense and Security reports there were 116 school shooting incidents and 55 deaths across the country. The shooting threat at Randolph was not racially motivated, but for Zai, Amir, and other students of color, this only added to the stress and uncertainty. So in a school environment, in a county where there's one of the highest rates of guns per capita in the country, I hear this from law enforcement. I have to be concerned about people's access to guns when they're feeling the strong emotions that people can so often feel in adolescence. Vermont doesn't issue permits for carrying firearms. Any person 16 or older can legally possess one. For Principal Hawks, this is a reality he faces every day. In the era of mass murder that we're in with, the, with its frequency, and the fact that it sometimes plays out in schools by teenagers or by, by young men who used to be teenagers not long ago. Right, Dylan Roof was 21. He was a teenager not long before that and in schools. Um, so one has to imagine the worst and one has to do what, what one can to ensure that it's prevented. I've been physically assaulted by a person out of school and was repeatedly called the N-word, and that I was going to get shot. And I didn't put my hands on them at all. I just stood there, just like stood there, just taking it. In his first three years at this school, Amir has reported over 10 incidents of racism and physical threats. Students were disciplined, but Amir and his mother say not enough is being done. Yeah, I worry about the young people of color in our community. 
is this school a safe place for students like Amir? I see Amir smiling, happy, in the company of young people and teachers who care about him. And it's an unsafe place for Amir. James Baldwin's talk to teachers is, you know, ringing in my mind where he, he says, look, I would tell this young boy of color that the world in which he lives was designed to destroy him. So it's important that we have frank conversations with our young people, again, about the historical reality in which they live. Do you think there are racists in your school? Yeah. Students and faculty are just as aware of the rising expressions of hate. We had a thing go on. Caden is an eighth grader. A student had written something in one of the bathroom stalls. And, you know, it was a big concern. It said, burn all blacks. A hate symbol would be something that causes distress that you might call harassment. A hate speech. Um, negating someone's identity based on who they are, race, religion, sexual identity. So it's not allowed. We saw an uptick in racial slurs, racial graffiti, racial symbols in the high school. Dana Decker has been teaching at Randolph Union for 11 years. I just was like, what is happening? In response to the rising number of incidents of xenophobia and racism, she and a colleague created a racial justice class in the fall of 2018. A couple of years ago, I'm like walking down the hall and seeing people. She says there were students seen making the infamous Heil Hitler straight arm salute. I see my students with Nazi symbols on their hands. I'm hearing an uptick in the N-word. A couple of us had to take some kind of lead on changing the climate here. I think that's why it also hit me so hard that like people I knew and like were friends with had these beliefs of prejudice and racism. Zai wanted to be a change agent too and join the class. His family is from Nicaragua and he's often mistaken as Mexican. One day, a classmate asked him how high he could jump. I interpreted it as saying, like, how high can you jump? Like, did you get over the wall between the southern border of the United States and Mexico? So that's my first memory of being called out for being different. Jamila, how have other students reacted to the school's effort to address these incidents? It's caused a few students to flex their white power. And the first day... Like Hayden, the student who told us about the racist phrase in the bathroom stall. In the fall of eighth grade, Caden showed up at school wearing a Confederate flag baseball cap he bought online, only to discover he had crossed a line. I got in trouble for it. He has a hat that he takes pride in wearing. Rebecca Maxim is Caden's mother. He was told that the Confederate flag was not okay to have at school because it hurts people's feelings. He was given a new hat that he was told that he could wear. And on his Chromebook that is provided from the school, he was made to remove the Confederate flag from his green. The most common Confederate battle flag originated from Robert E. Lee's army and is often used to whitewash and glorify the Confederacy. So what if a student says they feel unsafe seeing the Confederate flag on your grandson's hat? That's something you'll have to ask him. Caden's grandfather, Paul Brink, met with Principal Hawks over the matter. He was told if he wore it again on school property, he was going to get written up and possibly suspended. 
So Caden replaced his Confederate flag hat with a Make America Great Again Trump campaign hat, and he wears it every day. A lot of people don't like it. I felt his First Amendment right was violated. These snowflakes ran right to the principal and said, oh, I'm offended by it. This term snowflake is tossed around today as a derogatory term to describe someone who's overly sensitive. And I understand they have their First Amendment right. Words like symbols can change meaning over time. And it turns out in the 1860s in Missouri, a snowflake was a term commonly used for a person who opposed the abolishment of slavery. This generation nowadays wants to erase history and... I believe it's wrong. When I was in high school, we had Confederate flags in the back of the trucks, windows and stuff, and people were flying it on the front porch. Nobody said a thing. And now, you mention the Confederate flag, they friggin' their head explodes. Like, oh, Jesus, you know, that represents slavery. Hello, it's Jamila. Hi, Jamila. This is Eric Ward. How are you? Eric Ward is the executive director of Western States Center. He's also a senior fellow at the Southern Poverty Law Center and an expert on the relationship between hate violence and inclusive societies. We don't have a real understanding of uh, American history. And so we have sanitized those symbols and most of the public are unaware of the horrifying terror behind those symbols. We tend to judge other people's experiences based off of our own. We don't realize that people of color, gays and lesbians, Native Americans, uh, African Americans are carrying a different burden when it comes to American history. That burden can be framed through racial terrorism. uh, And those are often reflected through these Confederate symbols. You don't get to fly the Confederate flag uh, just like you don't get to fly the Nazi flag and and not claim that that you are racist. It is a racist symbol. That's when Mr. Hawks brought me to his office and, you know, we had a little talk about it. To address this incident, Principal Hawks met with Caden and brought in a faculty member who he says Caden trusts more than anyone else in the school. She said to him, I know in your heart you're not trying to put my, you know, this person in my family down or this, but, but that's what it means to me. And she's crying and, she, and he's listening to that and seeing those tears fall. That's an important aspect of this conversation too. One of my mantras is personal stories, historical facts, personal stories, historical facts. That's how we're going to make our way towards truth. Is this really a question of freedom of speech, like Caden's grandfather says? Or is it a reflection of the false idea that racism only happens if harm was intended? Geraldine, that's one of the many distinctions educators want families to understand. But the community's patience has been wearing thin. Well, I think... In February of 2020, at a monthly meeting, I spoke to the only two parents who showed up. There's a real divide here among very a very conservative faction and very liberal faction. Kristen Chandler is one of them. She's a former athletic coach at the high school. Enough of the conservative folks are entrenched in their views. 
I think there's just literally a oblivious self-righteousness. Hotilda Jurisco is a parent of two students. A lot of it is legacy families, the families that have stayed here, having economic decline. We used to have, you know, the level of manufacturing that was in this town 30 years ago was completely different with good paying jobs. And you think with good paying jobs, people were less racist? Nope, but they felt less threatened and so that it didn't come out. More than 34% of the student population at Randolph Union receives subsidized school meals, and 14% of the community are unemployed. Tev Kelman, a history teacher, says limited life opportunities are putting real strains on families. Issues that the vast majority of people struggle with, economic issues, issues of oppression based on identity. I think that people are increasingly seeking more extreme solutions as their problems grow more extreme. So many people are in real pain. They're much more susceptible to embrace a a solution that feels like it's somehow extreme enough and that the ability to weigh whether it's actually right or productive maybe falls away. Amy Cruz, mother of ninth grader Amir, says there's no excuse or justification for the frightening incident of hate you're about to hear. My son Amir was riding his bike to his friend's house. Who happened Amir to a was 14 at the time. And his friend wasn't home, so he was just kind of riding around the little cul-de-sac and was confronted with a truck that was coming speeding towards him. I didn't know if they saw me or not, but if I didn't move, the truck was going to hit me. He made a split-second decision to ride his bike onto the lawn, not realizing he was now on the driver's property. I just didn't want to get hit. We have like a verbal argument, him saying that I was a, uh, a spook, I'm a sand n-word. Amir says the argument spilled out onto the road, but his bike was still on the lawn and he wanted it back. I was scared because I wasn't on his property, I was in the middle of the road. The guy grabbed Amir and told him that if he didn't leave, he was going to shoot him and the rest of his family. Uh, get off my property or I'm going to shoot you. He was on me, not like on top of me, but like pushing me and grabbing me like that. And his wife like stood between us and like the little girl was like, stop it, stop it, daddy. His wife was like, go home, Amir, and just run, run, Amir. When Amy returned with her son, the police had arrived and Amir says the driver of the truck changed his story. He claimed Amir was trespassing. Police threatened to charge the driver and the teen both with disorderly conduct. The driver did not respond to our request for an interview. Ultimately, no charges were pressed, and instead, no trespass orders were issued, one to the driver and the other to Amir. It trickled over into school. It didn't end there. The guy's son witnessed the entire thing and then went to school the next day and called Amir a sand He was saying, like, racist stuff towards me just because of the way I looked and putting his hands on me because of the way I looked. The school says they took appropriate action to discipline the student. 
Throughout the ordeal, Amir kept asking his mom, why does it have to be this way? Honestly, I don't think there's any educating people like that because they've already determined and already got that hatred into their mind that they're not going to change. I mean, this is a grown man in his 30s. One big question is, can the cycle of racism be broken through education and dialogue in schools when students go back to homes where parents feed them racist beliefs? I think what we first have to get past is this idea that only horrible people say racist things and good people are never racist. Corey Collins is a senior writer with Teaching Tolerance, a division of the Southern Poverty Law Center. If you are raised as a white person in a white supremacist society or in a society where white supremacy is baked into a lot of the systems, you are going to enact racism in your speech and in your actions throughout your life. He says often white people claim they can't say anything without being labeled a racist. You're going to perpetuate racism at certain points, and that doesn't need to be labeled as good or bad. It is simply harmful and needs to be interrupted. Students have First Amendment rights. Students have the right to explore ideas and to explore where their identity fits in the world. But if someone is showing you how what you're doing is harmful, that is something that you should interrogate. They have that right as well to speak out against what you're saying and to speak against harm. Collins says it's important to teach students to have an ability to think critically about the impact of their ideas and the current meaning of the words and phrases they use. The way that they move and speak through the world affects other people. So I actually think that means calling them in and making sure that they have the faculties to back up what they're saying. None of this comes out of a vacuum, says Collins. I'm one of the only black people in my school slash town. Ngoma Lungo is 18 years old been in Randolph since third grade. Growing up, his mother would speak to him about being black in America. Mostly my mom would tell me things just like, most people are racist. Just like, don't get into trouble. Like, don't get into fights just because people already assume that you're going to be like a aggressive human being. Some people might just look at me and think I'm black and assume that I'm going to do something violent. What was one of the first racist symbols that you saw in this school? The mascot was probably the first. This 15-foot school mascot on the wall of the gymnasium is called the Galloping Ghost. It's on every clock in every classroom. It looks like a human figure covered by a white sheet riding a white horse. And generations who've attended Randolph Union have called themselves the Ghost Nation. For many students and visiting athletes, the image of the galloping ghost is all too close to the Ku Klux Klan. It just shows that people kind of turn a blind eye to racism. direct messaged her. Back with Principal Hawks, he's planning for students in every grade to participate in special advisory sessions. Working with these young people and I'm worried about them. It's a chance to look at symbols from the past and teach their modern day associations to extremist groups. 
And so I know that I'm working with a vulnerable population. I know that recruitment can start in the teenage years. I know that young people at the age of 14 or 15 are capable of wielding adult tools to complete adult tasks. He had concerns about both... Hawks contacted Cynthia Miller-Idris. Not just among students, but among in, in the broader community. He wanted to know whether some of his students were in danger of radicalization. We in the U.S. are at the very beginning of understanding what combinations of factors lead to violent outcomes on the extremist fringe. Miller-Idris is the author of The Extreme Gone Mainstream, She's a professor at American University and the director of its Polarization and Extremism Innovation Lab. I don't think you really know if someone's being radicalized until signs of things like the swastika showing up at a school. It's a sign of exposure. It's a sign of desensitization. It's a sign that young people are trying to get a rise out of adults by doing this. It's a Many educators and parents worry that racism and nonviolent expressions of hate may be gateways to extremism and violence. We know that there are vulnerabilities that lead people to be more susceptible to extremist rhetoric and recruiting. If you have and hold racist beliefs, um, it makes it easier to adapt those extremist exclusionary beliefs. Identity and belonging is one of the two major emotional drivers that lead people into far-right pathways. Miller Idris says one of the ways to prevent extremist behavior is to engage young people with purpose. Radicalization happens along a continuum, and there are there are steps that people take towards the most extreme viewpoints and actions. In the initial session, some students were receptive. Others couldn't get past the rhetoric and online messaging they've accepted as true. So when we approach a conversation with a young person about whether what you said is is a joke, whether it's harmful or whether it's both, yeah, we're treating the problem and we're also preventing something perhaps more extreme from developing. Jamila, is this what the advisory sessions are designed to counteract? Yes, Principal Hawks is using dialogue and the advice from Cynthia Miller-Idris to engage students like Caden to become more aware of each other's racial experiences. So in the case of the student, Caden, is he someone you're working with? He was in my office uh, as a seventh grader and my office... Principal Hawks says Caden took notice of an old relic on his office wall a bell system or a communication system, some kind of gears, and there's a box. So I put a sticky note on the metal panel with his name and one of the facilities directors to open it up and have a look. So honoring his interests, uh, recognizing his needs is a way to keep him part of the school. So engaging him in dialogue, engaging him in meaningful work and projects. Is it working? Yeah, it's working. He hasn't shut down. But do you have a posted in your office with Amir's name? to remind you that you need to do something with him? I have a post-it in my office that is um, eight or 10 pieces of black paper that have been torn up, but I stuck a tack in them. It's a swastika from school. Someone had made it in school. It doesn't look exactly like a swastika. Only I know what that is. So that reminds me of the racism in my world. We have a lot of work to do to create those spaces where Amir feels cared for and supported in his skin. But is Amir getting any special attention specifically 
because of all he's experienced at the school. Who's working on his self-identity? Well, we, ha- as you know, we have a, we have a class that is 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 focused on race and racism and identity, and very intentionally working to create a space in the school where young people can be supported, feel supported, and feel comfortable talking about who they are in, in that. He's regard. not in that class. And he's not in that class. In 2018, a neighboring high school in Montpelier, Vermont, was the first in the country to fly the Black Lives Matter flag as a sign of their own commitment to inclusivity. After hearing a lot of people's stories about like being discriminated against for many different reasons, uh, I decided I would want the Black Lives Matter flag being raised. Zai Buska, a former student, wanted their school to be the second one to do this, so he approached the principal. One student said, hey, Mr. Hawks, can we raise the Black Lives Matter flag here at our school? The Black Lives Matter flag means to me a kind of symbolization of safety for children and schools where there's not a high minority rate, kind of like minority lives matter. Principal Hawks said he was potentially supportive of those efforts. But I want you to have more dialogue, and I'd like to hear more about why. After another national story of a police killing of a Black person, frustrations grew, and some students ran out of patience. My friend had bought a Black Lives Matter flag at the time. It was 9 p.m. We were all hanging out that night. And Angoma and his friends headed to their school. We just decided to go put it up at the school. One of my colleagues came into my office and said, so I see you're raising the Black Lives Matter flag. The next morning, Principal Hawks discovered the change. And I said, well, why are you asking me about this today? And he pointed out the window and said, look. I don't think we could get it onto the flag post, but we did hang it almost like a banner. I uh, wrestled with it for a while, privately, in my heart, in my soul, in my office, and I went out and I took it down. If it's to happen at our school to be only done by a couple of people, that's not how this is going to happen here. Why did you want to fly a Black Lives Matter flag on the school, and why did you do it without permission? I guess I kind of just, I guess the main intention was to make people uncomfortable and kind of provoke something, I guess, kind of like poking the bear. Working with students and teachers in the racial justice class, Principal Hawks hoped that together, they could lead a campaign to raise support for the flag with the school and the community. He was very supportive in um, our efforts. Here he, is I. I think at the end of the day, he was for the Black Lives Matter flag and everything we were doing, but he just, as a principal, had to play the devil advocates because he was the one receiving calls from parents complaining about it. And like he was the one hearing from students saying that like, they won't come back to school. So they spent a full semester organizing with other classmates. To make their case, they hosted many discussions on white privilege and held lunches to explain the challenges and experiences for students of color. I was more surprised about the like actual positive feedback we got from people that were saying that like this is something they thought should have happened a long time ago and that they're so glad that somebody actually stuck up for this. It was surprising to see like how people were uneducated about Black Lives Matter flag and race in general. When I see that flag, 
and I read it, it tells me my life don't matter because I'm not black. And that flag should read, all lives matter. That's Caden's grandfather. He marched into Principal Hawks's office to challenge him on even considering raising the Black Lives Matter flag. I agree, all lives matter. And I agree, you know, black people are being, you know, they have a hard time nowadays. And I have a grandson who's half black, and I hope he doesn't have to go through all this crap. And I'm going to teach him, you got something to say, you believe in it, express your opinion. Paul Brink also says Caden is not a racist for wearing a Confederate hat. As long as that Black Lives Matter flag is flying, he has a right to wear his Confederate flag hat because the school is expressing their First Amendment right. He should have a right to express his First Amendment right. And they said, no, he cannot. He's on school property. Wearing symbols that terrorize other children is not only immoral, but it is also not protected speech. Eric Ward doesn't buy the free speech argument. You know, I would say to parents, uh, whoa, take a step back. Are you literally comparing right, the history of the Confederate flag to the history of Black Lives Matters on a flag? Do you really think that that is a fair comparison? Are you really standing up and defending 500 years of, of slavery and racial terrorism that included lynchings and beatings? Ward says adults need to listen to students who come up with their own solutions. Black Lives Matter is not a controversial statement. It just simply isn't. And if students feel that it is the best way to signal that racism uh, isn't tolerated here, if it's the best way for schools to signal that uh, racism and other forms of bigotry will not be tolerated in here, and if there are adults who disagree that that's the best way, really, like, put up or shut up. If you have a better solution that makes these kids feel safe, that doesn't expose your children to racial taunting and and racial abuse, it is time for you to step forward with those solutions. And if you don't have those solutions, don't spend your time attacking the solutions that have been put forward by children. What does that say about you? I understand that. But just my opinion is like... One student, Grace, remembers seeing students protesting the Black Lives Matter flag by wearing the It's Okay to Be White t-shirt in school. I wasn't one of those people because I wouldn't do it, but I think that that's their opinion and they're allowed to wear that. Teacher Kalman believes the student campaign to raise the Black Lives Matter flag further exacerbated the divisions at the school. Seeing kids wearing clothing with the slogan, It's Okay to Be White. Um, which I think to a lot of them did not feel like a racist statement. I know after doing some research into that, that it was something that was quite purposefully circulated by white nationalist groups with the express purpose of giving talking points to sort of get this white supremacist ideology into the mainstream. We can still have the Black Lives Matter, but I think we should have an All Lives Matter flag. We raise a flag to say all lives matter. We're putting out a statement that we hope that all people agree with. 
by putting out the statement Black Lives Matter or like Minorities Lives Matter, that is putting out a statement that not everybody believes in and it starts conversation for people who are not in agreement with it. Trying to protect their fellow classmates, Zai and the organizing students also set up community forums. They've said some really harsh things. Teacher Decker says there were frustrations on both sides. One family stated, you shoved the gay stuff down our throat and now you're shoving this down our throat. And like, I see all of your black power all over the walls, but where's, you know, white power? And I mean, it's hard um, because it's like you were like the grown-ups in the community should be the people we look up to and the people that we should inspire to be. But they're, they're more like acting childish in the way at the like first community forum um, when it came to having a civil discussion about the topic Black Lives Matter and about the topic of racial diversity in our community. Attacking people for the superintendent of the school district, Lane Millington, attended those community forums. And after two or three rounds of those open forums and those conversations, had one group way over here more extreme than they were when the conversation started, and then the other group way over here more dug in than they were uh, when the conversation started. And it was obvious and clear that there was no education, there was no bringing folks together at that point in time. There were vocal parents who questioned whether students' experiences with racism were fabricated. Jamila, is that true? Were there any indications that the racist graffiti or acts of hate were made up? There was some doubt that the stories that our kids of color were telling were true. That's what Principal Hawks had to say. If there's a harassment complaint, I hear about it. If there's something that needs to be removed from a wall, I hear about it. I felt compelled to write a letter to the paper and say, I'm telling you, it's the truth. In his letter, Principal Hawks describes over 10 incidents of hateful acts which occurred that school year. The principal wrote, there is love and friendship and there is racism as true as Vermont's Green Mountains. When you are telling children um, that they are not experiencing something which they are evidently experiencing, that's simply a form of abuse. Eric Ward says we can do better. This is an opportunity for them to listen to their neighbors. Good people listen to their neighbors. Principal Hawks and the student leaders of the Black Lives Matter flag initiative were faced with a backlash at their attempts to address inequity. Some parents speculated it was a calculated agenda. One parent resorted to intimidation. He put his arm around me. I'm not close to this person whatsoever. And like started saying these things to me. Don't continue your work you're doing. Don't touch the mascot and like stopped with the Black Lives Matter flag. And then once he said it, he walked away. In our next episode of Not Okay, tensions escalate. I potentially have a fire here that can devolve into violence. Randolph Union grapples with changing their beloved longstanding mascot, a galloping ghost resembling a KKK knight. Do I really want to be throwing more rocket fuel on it at this point in time? Will the racial justice students in Zai raise the Black Lives Matter flag at their high school? And also... What will happen when the demands to confront systemic racism move from the high school to the streets of Randolph? Not one more life! Not one more life! 
These are complicated stories about people who hold on to false histories and terroristic ideologies and draw boundaries that are skin deep. If you or anyone you know has experienced a hate incident or crime, contact the appropriate local authority or elected official. You can also document what happened at splcenter.org slash report hate. This is Sounds Like Hate, an independent documentary podcast series brought to you by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Additional funding provided by the Ring Foundation. I'm Jamila Paxima. And I'm Geraldine Mariba. Please subscribe to find out when new episodes are released. And remember to rate and review. Thanks for listening. Poverty Law Center. Additional funding provided by the Ring Foundation. I'm Jamila Paxima. And I'm Geraldine Mariba. Please subscribe to find out when new episodes are released. And remember to rate and review. Thanks for listening.